We are back at the Ramble Room. I know that you missed us. Life is tough for all of us. We are joined today, Diane and I, are joined today by the family Jennings, fresh back from Cheyenne. They've been down there for about a week or so, and having a blast, I hear. How's it been? Or at least back. We yeah. are at least back. I don't know about fresh, but, um, you know, it's been a really good two weeks. There's been uh, some sad things. My bill finally died. Um, but there's been some really good things. Right now there's three pro-life bills. There's uh, a cash budget-based bill coming through. Explain that one just a little tiny bit because that one kind of gets in the weeds. Well, the the really simple part to that, to explain that one, is live within your means. If you don't have yeah. the cash, you don't buy it. Rather than making a budget on what you think you're going to have, yeah, you have to make the budget on what you already have. And it requires that you have a certain amount of cash laid aside, basically a one year in advance. But Wyoming's budget has been done two years at a time as a biennium. This is only a one-year thing? Well, that's to be worked out. There's, um, you know, I would prefer that we would go to the two years. Uh, there's pros and cons on each side of that. Going to a one-year keeps the agencies a little quicker to have to come back and not give them quite as much time to find places to to expend money. And so there's more answering, there's more accountability to the cash counting in a one-year time frame than there is the two. But you have to have enough money to do the two. And um, right now with the funny money from the feds and um, oil and gas and coal prices are all high, um, this is a really good opportunity for Wyoming. It, it, it has a real... Unexpected op- cash surplus. Yeah. And it we can do it as a one-year and uh, my hopes are that they'll do that as a one-year for two or three years. We're going to have to divert some money from savings, um, the statutory money going into the, some of our savings accounts, um, probably for three to five years. And, um, but your savings is, is huge, and your accountability is huge. So I'm, I'm very glad to see that one come out. Sounds like a plus. Anything else? Well, you said that your bill finally died, but let's not assume everybody knows what you're talking about. Uh, I ran a um, acquisition property tax acquisition study bill. First study bill I've ever run because I'm I'm not real fond of those. But it would have studied what it would have required for us to go from the fair market value system that's currently used, which has some real problems with fair. And uh, it would have allowed us to look at property tax under acquisition, like Prop 13 in California. Florida also has it. There's only two states that have it. And um, so that when you buy a property, you're actually setting the actual market value. There's an aspect to that that some of you out there maybe have never considered. Imagine, if you will, that you are a young widow or somebody on a fixed income. And you've got maybe your 20 or 30 years to live in a home. And during those 20 or 30 years, there are booms and busts in our economy. So you're going to see the value of the home go up. 
in which case you're taxed on the perceived value of the home, and then it drops again. And so you have paid taxes on all of this gain that you never realized. Yeah, it's an unrealized capital gains tax yeah. is what it is. It just it doesn't make any sense, and it would be better off on what did you actually realize as a gain and pay a tax if you must on that. I'm not real keen on taxes. Some of you know that. <laughs> I think I'd agree with you on I, that. Right? I, I think I've heard that about you. Well, you know, the the problem is not that we don't collect enough taxes. It's that we have too much. We spend too much. Yeah. I, I was amazed. I was sitting here. I spent most of the week at home this week. Uh, don't feel bad for me. I'm better now. But I hurt my back. And so I had to stay home. So I watched a lot of the sessions. And I was amazed. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it was painful. I did too. <laughs> and it was painful for me also. Yeah. At least at you times. could stand up and say something and maybe have somebody hear it. I'm standing here screaming at the screen because I hear representatives and senators saying we don't have the money to give a tax break. Yeah. It's not your money. And if listen, if you have the money there to give a rebate, that just means you stole too much money in the first That's place. That's right. And you're not going to pay it back with interest, are you? No. No. Well, we've beat that one to death. So, mm. so there was another effort made toward Medicaid expansion. Can you explain what happened there? Uh, it, we were told it came out of Revenue Committee, actually. Uh, they they thought they had the votes, and they did have the votes in committee, and um, they pushed that through for a special session. Now, you're on that committee. I am right? on that committee. And um, the conservatives fought it. It was mostly pushed by Senator Case and Representative Harshman, both chairmen. And so um, it was not taken up, but it was put on the introduction list on the special session. So normally that would kill the bill. It should not come back a second time. Um, instead, they threw it back to the committee. I've never seen that before. They um, threw it back to the committee to approve a second time, and then they ran it again. Um, when that was unsuccessful to get that to come through, then they put it in a budget amendment. Uh, it came on the Senate side on Thursday, I believe it was, and was considered, uh, was ruled unconstitutional because it's legislating in the in the budget, and it did not even have an appropriations. So by Friday, they, on third reading, might have been Wednesday that they did second reading, by Friday they had the appropriation in it, and they also brought it, uh, Representative Con Kathy Conley brought it on the House side. So on the Senate side, um, I think it was just flat out voted down. On, well, it depends on what or means yeah <laughs> and uh, on ours on the house side i actually called a rules committee for germaneness and um actually got it killed on on the from the rules committee oh, vote thank you so and the budget was 177 million so just to get us tied into yeah um you know and the state's part was 30 some million 
if you're sitting out there and you think you're in favor of Medicaid expansion, I I would ask you to go back to a previous show that features uh, David Iverson and myself in a talk that we did together, and we kind of covered that issue. And I'd appreciate it if you'd hear us out because it isn't all of the – every time I turn around I see another ad – I get on my phone and I see more ads for you got to support all the other states have it. We got to have it too. Yeah. And what they're trying to sell you is not what it's about. And there are a lot of other reasons. But anyway, go back and, and check out that show. Speaking of what they're trying to sell you isn't necessarily what it is. There's another movement out there, an Article 5 Convention of States. And there's a lot of things they tell you ab- about how this could be done safely. And we're actually going to take and do a series of shows on that to kind of explain what what the real risks are and how that works. And, it, you know, it sounds, on the surface, it sounds great. We're going to force a balanced budget amendment. We're going to force term limits. We can fix all these problems and work our way around Congress. In reality, that's not possible. And it's, in fact, quite dangerous. So, folks, again, if you're listening to this, maybe you're even mad at me. Please hear me out. Listen to a few of these shows on the dangers of the Convention of States. I think it's a critical issue. And I, you know, I have all the empathy in the world for what they're trying to accomplish. But there are some serious problems, and we'll be discussing that. I voted for that five times before I began to see the issues. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, some of it is, is not only the dangers of having it, it's the dangers of if they're successful. And because we think, oh, well, this might really solve things. Well, you take a balanced budget amendment, for example. You um, you hand them two sentences. They're going to balance the budget, but interest rates go to 5%. All discretionary spending is now gone, everything. Social Security, military, everything that you can imagine. And you've just handed them a a. a piece to put on the taxes yeah you just tripled or quadrupled your taxes because now you've handed them a piece of paper that says oh this is a mandate from we the people yeah look we balance the budget it's maybe people want that yeah but it they don't purport the danger part of what happens if you actually get what be careful sometimes what you ask for another side of it is the lame duck issue is you have somebody who has gone to the end of their on their last term, and, and at, they're at the point now where they can vote any way they want to wait, vote, and they don't have to answer to the people anymore, and it's an opportunity for a lot of people to accomplish a lot mm. of things. Right. Now imagine that one-third of the legislature is on their last term together. Yeah, They're not accountable to the people anymore. Think of the damage that can be done. And we're seeing it. I'm, I don't want to mention Mark Kinner's name because— yeah. I'm watching his votes, and every single one of them has gone left of where he's even been before. Yeah. I watch him, too. Yeah, he's— I sat over by him. Yeah, he's right over there beside you. you got what else did we miss? We haven't talked about the SAPA bill. No, the elephant in the room. Yeah, and um, let's see, what else? What other bills are out there? We had some life bills. I think you mentioned them briefly. Three, three life bills, two of them. Um, one is a trigger bill. If it goes through, then if— That Roe, sounds like a 2A bill. 
it, you would think, wouldn't you? But it's yeah. if um, Roe v. Wade is overturned, it will take Wyoming back to 1973, or just prior to, 72. The Stone Age. Yeah, a long time ago. And um, it essentially would go back to that legislation, which did not allow for any abortions in Wyoming except for endangerment of the mother's life. And actually, we went back and cleaned that definition up there also. So um, the abortifacients bill, Senator Salazar's running, that one would resolve huge numbers of uh, abortions that occur by taking the morning-after pill, that sort of thing. The third one is um, Amber Oakley ran, has run a bill, and it has run into a lot of resistance. It's kind of funny because it's probably met the most resistance, and that is to, um, you know, you, you attempt treatment for a pregnant woman who takes meth or cocaine or something like that and, and endangerment of that child. Well, it's not really an abortion bill. But it helps give definition, especially if you put it with um, fetal homicide that ran, was successful last year from Senator Hutchings. Um, that it helps establish that hey, this is a this is a person, this is a baby, and um, is is that then the bill that says that it could be a felony if a pregnant mother is using these drugs? Um, or am I thinking I think of they've one? no, that is the one, but I think um, I think that's already been amended down. I, I lost track of it a little bit yeah. in the process, but I think it's been amended back to probably a, a high misdemeanor or something that, like this. A lot of things in my mind are pretty black and white and clear cut, but that's a tough one. Because I know there are a lot of people out there who will resist going to get medical treatment or medical help if they know there's a danger of getting busted. And that's a that's a viable concern in my mind, and that's a tough one. It is a tough one, and yet I would counter with who's going to stand up for that unborn child. Mm -hmm. And so it's um, while it's a tough one, that's what you guys send send people down there to do is figure out those tough decisions, and we should take it up and with all seriousness that that subject demands to me that that's kind of a, a perfect picture of a lot of the issues with a lot of these bills we tend to see them from one side we understand what it is we're trying to accomplish so we push really hard to get that to happen not really understanding a lot of the times that everything we do affects everything on the other side as well and for every action there's an equal and opposite reaction we can't always predict what the responses or what the problems are going to be in reaction to a bill that we present. I guess that's one of the reasons why I'm in favor of this concept of if you want to introduce a bill, repeal three or four or five more first. Let's well, get a bunch of stuff off the books. As a member of the Freedom Caucus, I've, I've asked uh, this, this year that, the, uh, that those people that are going to run for that, that that's, that's one of the campaign things is for every bill you run, repeal two or three mm -hmm. and because um, there's lots of things that are just out there that are no not necessary um back to the to the question of that bill you know 
if you look at the statistics of where that goes, law enforcement and, and the judiciary have always worked towards the treatment side of that first. And so the, the carrot has been put out there. This is the other side of that, of the stick of saying, hey, there, this is a life. Treat it with respect. Um, if you have a substance abuse problem, yeah, we're going to help you with that first. But if you insist in harming someone else, it's, it's the old question about abortion, you know, do you believe in choice? Well, sure, you had choices up to the point where it then affected someone else's life. Mm-hmm. Then you don't have as many choices. But this is a bill concerning the pregnant woman, not yes. law enforcement or doctors or anything like that. It's um, essentially, uh, I don't have it in front of me, but it, it essentially is for the pregnant woman who's has a um, a drug problem or, or they use drugs and it harms the baby. It, it, it puts it in a, in a category of, of punitive is, is what the people arguing against it. They don't want to see that. Well, that's not where it starts. Um, they attempt to get help and stuff for these people first. But if you have somebody that's not willing, you know, they're not ready to accept help and they are willing to harm someone else, then it provides a stick that, that could be put in there because you are harming another another babe, another person. I guess <clears throat> my point is simply that a lot of the things that you're asked to deal with on the floor of the House or in the legislature are tough. And the more that I've watched and the more that I've learned and the more that I've listened to the arguments on both sides and the discussions that go there, the more respect that I have, one, for the process, and two, for some of the people that I would have immediately just dismissed. Um, I found myself siding with a couple of people that I flat don't like. But I found as I listened to what they were saying that in this rare case, I actually agreed with that. And there is a there is something to be said for having the ability to reach across the aisle. Now, everybody says that, and it's not my plan to go down there and be reaching across the aisle to try to accomplish a lot of things. But it is a, it is a political reality. And I think you can be, you can agree to disagree agreeably. Yeah. <laughs> you don't always have Well, to. some of us can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a universal trend. <laughs> Anything else that we're missing? Um, there is um, House Bill 131 plus some budget amendments towards uh, the, a nuclear issue that's come up in this state, and I think that's one for people to watch, keep an eye on. I, I voted for the original one, and it didn't um, – it got hijacked, and um, now there's some bad players, and so now I'm, I'm voting against it. Specifically that they would build nuclear power plants where – coal fired well now that and again they're they're trying to change the parameters of that it's a Mm -hmm. small originally it was modular small modular nuclear reactors um based on molten sodium right and uh, now they've got it to much more experimental stuff that um and they've brought in players that that i i don't want 
to see them establish in Wyoming the, the Gates and the Soros or Buffett-type people and branches off of foreign military. Um, it's just not the right idea for Wyoming. Did you want to say anything about the SAPA? What would you like to know? I wanted to know if you had anything to say about it. You know, I've watched this uh, bill go through. In fact, I ran it. I was the author of it three years ago. Is that right? Three sessions ago. And um, it went through a lot of the gutting process. Uh, I was asked numerous times to kill it myself. I, I chose not to do that because it would have at least given us a framework. And when this present administration was um, allowed to take office, <laughs> we'll put it kindly. And um, You're talking on the national level. Yeah, on the national level. Then we could have put far more teeth back into it. And the left does that to us all the time. They're incrementally. I've had uh, lobbyists tell me stories in Cheyenne how over a period of three to five years, they just change one or two words in a piece of legislation. And it turns the meaning of that legislation 180 degrees from what, they, from what the person that put it in intended. And so I looked at that and I thought, well, we really need to put at least the framework in. So when that didn't happen, I, I looked at this bill has a lot more to it, and it had a lot more thinking to it. And in Wyoming, you're not going to get a SAPA bill in place without law enforcement, um, at least agreement on, on certain parts of it. And so I guess what I would tell the people out there is, you know, you have to make it to where you can get it past an introduction, especially in a budget, which means you got to get past two-thirds. So it was started on the Senate side, so you had to get 20 votes. Um, now it's in the committee process. It's on third reading. I think at, No, actually, it's past third reading on the Senate, so it's now right. to the House. Right. Um, we did put some amendments back in it to put some more teeth back in it on the Senate side, and I would look for that to occur on the House side. Um, so it will be strengthened some more. That having been said, this is a process. Yeah. Uh, this year will not be the the perfect SAPA bill. Um, hopefully, it will within this process, and hopefully within maybe one more session, be brought to full strength. That's the goal. What What about what do you say to people? You're saying let's just get a framework in place and we can work with that. And some of the, some people are saying that never happens. Well, I'd, I'd say go back and look at concealed carry, um, repeal of concealed carry areas. Um, when I moved here 15 years ago, there was a list of probably 10, 12 places where you could not constitutional carry, concealed carry. And today that list is down to, I don't know, four, four, four or five places. Incrementally, we have put more and more of those places to where you could. And so I would disagree. I would say we've already done that a lot of times. I mentioned in the show we did a while back that we could 
take a lesson from the left, and that is incrementalism. Yeah. And that's just learning. You know, you may not get a home run every time. That doesn't mean that you don't swing. That doesn't mean you don't play. And the other thing that I think that we are far too quick is we allow perfect to be the the enemy of good. Yeah. And if you can get something in good, you, you I agree. This this bill is good. It um, puts it in the top two or three across the nation because it has uh, up to a year in jail if, if you're if mm-hmm. you're trying to violate someone's Second Amendment rights. And um, so I I I would tell you that this bill is good, but it can be made better over time. Well, do we and have should be. Do we have perfect bills? <clears throat> Actually, for a, in a fallen world, I think those would be called the Ten Commandments. They were pretty good, especially if you used godly wisdom. To... Well, if we obeyed them, we wouldn't need all this other stuff. <laughs> Isn't that true? We'd have a lot fewer bills to worry about. Yes, we would. <laughs> we'd have ten. Yeah, we'd with, have ten that worked. Yeah. With that, I know you're tired. I can see your eyeballs. Just barely. I'm thinking about seeing the backsides of the eyelids. Yeah. <laughs> um, a lot of hours doing a lot of talking and not a lot of sleep. Dana, however, is able to sleep up there. and she's. I see the little spunkiness in her eyes. she got mm-hmm. something on her mind. I really would like to just thank everybody. You know, we've... When you're put in the spotlight, your your family kind of catches all of it, and and the debate is out there whether it's a good bill, bad bill, all of that. Um, they've said some pretty nasty things about Mark, and that really bothers the family, especially Mark kind of blows it off. But I personally would like to thank all of the people, and there's been a bunch of them, that have come to us and said, we're praying for you. We, we care about what happens to you. When we hear these things, we know immediately they're lies because we know your family. And that has meant so much to us, the prayers of so many of our friends. And you know what? The battle's worth it because if you're out there, one of the things that, that we have always tried to say was, Lord, help us not to bring shame to your name. That's the biggest thing. And so when we start going through some of these battles and we know that it's just a, 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 a battle you're going to face because you believe in the right things, then to be found worthy to, to go through those things is, a, is pretty, a pretty big thing. And I just want to thank everybody that has been, they've been so supportive. And, you know, our family really appreciates that. Yeah, there's... There's just to add on to that. I mean, we thank all the people that have come up and and thanked us. Well, they're they're worth fighting for. Yes. And you want to deal with things with integrity. Um, before, we're all going to stand before a holy God. But um, I want to thank people like you, you guys, mm-hmm. for because you you didn't have to. You did could have stood on the sideline and just reported the action. And instead, you chose to stand for integrity, and I think that's very important. I, I mean, for me, and I've watched that with a, just gobs of people, and there's a lot of good people out there, a lot of good people, and they're worth fighting for. So, well, we got we got called some names too, but that's all right. I just practicing up for next time. There you go. 
In fact, I it was just this morning I heard somebody shout out Rhino when you were introduced. <laughs> I don't know who that was, but <laughs> yeah, I hardly noticed. I've heard I've heard a few things like that. <laughs> anyway, um, that was the only chance I ever had to to yell at you. So. Anyway, thank you. You know, I could be in Orlando picking up a CPAC award. You could be. Yes, I had heard. About I that. chose to be here Let, instead. Wow. That's heavy. Well, you just didn't want to get on an airplane where they'd make you wear a mask. <laughs> that's that's true too. But, yeah. But I do enjoy it being so here. Tell, so tell tell the audience about the CPAC award. Um. I don't guess I know anything to tell about it. I hate to tell you that. I, I've well, won, I've won several of them. You were, yeah, you were in line. And it's I don't called know the, the American Conservative it. Union, and they do a, um, they have been grading legislators. They just started grading legislators in Wyoming um, a few years ago, I think. They're, they're adding more states all the time. And so what they do is they take, like, I think 10 or 15 bills and they go over them and then they, they grade them. And then, um, so they, they grade them on those 30 bills and then they give them like a lifetime up to the point, you know, where you're at. And he, um, received an award last year. If you are 80% and above, then they give you an award. And I think the very first year you had like a 77, then last year you had, I think an almost a 90 and then you were like an 87 this year but because of the way the bills change but so he would he was invited last year to go to Orlando um, but because of COVID he was more worried that they would try to shut down the legislature and shut down the conservatives out of the legislature and so because there were just so many games going on last year and so he, he chose not to go and then this year, you know, it's it's really important. I mean, there's there's such a battle, and we're excited for the ones that got to fly to Orlando and and hear President Trump in person. And um, but, you know, he he just felt like his job was to be here, and so. But we're really proud of him. Congratulations yeah. for that. How dare you! <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, thank you very much for staying up late and and entertaining us for a little while. And you got what two, three more weeks? Two more. Two more weeks. There is a slight chance that um, that there could be a, a special session, but I think it's very slight that they may, you know, have problems over this redistricting. Mm-hmm. Oh, we didn't even touch about redistricting, but. Um, oh. If that doesn't, if they don't come to a, an agreement on that, then we could be called back in for yeah. a few days. And that it's supposed to be what twenty days. Now, does that yeah. count the weekends as well, or is that twenty working days? Actually, there's a, there's a few more days than that because <clears throat> it's twenty working days through there. But you leave enough days so that you stay there, especially on a budget year. Um, the governor has, from the time it hits his desk, he has, I think it's 72 hours and um, for his vetoes. And so you leave enough days mm-hmm. to be there to override to 
vetoes if you decide it's worth the fight. All right. Some things are worth the fight, and thank you for doing that for us. Yeah, my pleasure. All right. Always enjoy coming. In honor of Apu, I would like to invite you to listen to The Rumble Room at your choice of the following options. Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or over the intercom at the Quickie Mart. And sometimes in an elevator near you. Thank you very nice.